sing it out. Great is your faithfulness. Come on. Great is your faithfulness. You never change. You never change. You never fail, oh God. Sing it out true. True are your promises. True are your promises. You never change. You never change. You never fail, oh God. So we raise. So we Sing it out. White is your love and grace. You never change. You never fail, oh God. If you believe that, sing it out. Come on. White is your love and grace. Lift them up. White is your love and grace. You never change. You never change. You never fail. Come on, boys, sing it out. Come on. You were, you are, you will always be. Just sing it to him. You were, you are, you will always be. Sing it louder. Shout to God this morning. Lift him up. Father, we praise you. Lord Jesus, we lift high your name above all other names. This morning with right hearts, 
with grateful hearts we say thank you we celebrate you Amen. sing it out it's falling it's falling from the clouds come on a strange and lovely sound i hear it in the thunder and the rain it's ringing in the skies like cannons in the night as a music of the universe plays with one voice we're singing you It's beautiful and free. Come on, church, sing. It's reaching far beyond the Milky Way. Let's join them with the sound. Come on, let's sing it out. As the music of the universe Lift him up. Then declare who you are. I'm so unworthy, but still you love me forever. My heart will sing. Praise Him this morning. 
morning? He is jealous. We live in a country where everybody is allowed to have their opinion. I don't know about you. I think that's part of what makes our country great, that we, everybody has a right to express their opinion here. That's, you know, I, I love that about the United States. So I'm going to go ahead and express my opinion. I think many of you agree. I think when it comes to a Sunday or a, a weekend like this, and tomorrow's coming July the 4th, that I, I love and appreciate every person who serves in the military so we can have the freedom we have. Don't you agree? And 
I uh, think we all at some point ought to take a moment and realize the reason we can have a barbecue, the reason we can have family moments is because someone else paid the price. Someone else put themselves on the line and they may have done it in, in, in many different ways. But I want to say if you're a man or a woman who's either now in the military or at one time you served in the military, would you stand right now so we can honor you here as our church family? We want to honor you. Awesome. Wow. And so for me, I, I do this every year. I think about my dad who served. I think about others who've served, my uncles and, and many of you. And then I also, I hope we all take the time to do this this weekend, that the ultimate price of freedom, the ultimate price was paid by Jesus Christ when he went to the cross. And uh, on a weekend that celebrates freedom, we need to think about that. And uh, God wants us to. Uh, before we go on with today, I want to thank another group of people. Uh, we just came off uh, the best week of VBS I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it was so good. Thousands of children came and partook in the Coliseum of Truth. And uh, this was VBS like I've never seen VBS before. Uh, the message was so phenomenal. All the people who poured in. And if you were a part of that, thank you, thank you. Matter of fact, let's just thank them right now. Every person who made this happen. Friday night, 100 people exactly came forward and made commitments to Christ. Just on Friday night. So it was emotional. I got to tell you, I got, when I listening, if you were here, I, I led a prayer time and all of a sudden the children started praying. And I don't know, if you hear a thousand children pray, that gets to you. And it was just incredible. So again, thank you for that. Well, today we're going to have a really special time together. We have some special, special guests. And uh, uh, I want you to see a video for, uh, that really helps you understand uh, Michael Francis and his wife Cam here with us. But watch this video and catch up on their lives. Michael Franzese was not just a soldier, but a capo in the notorious Colombo crime family. He spent the better part of a decade in federal prison on charges including tax fraud, racketeering, and parole violations. I grew up in New York where there are five organized crime families. My dad was a underboss in the Colombo crime family back in the 1960s. I went to see my dad in Leavenworth, and uh, I said, Dad, listen, I don't want to go to school anymore. During the course of that visit, he said to me, listen, if your mind is made up and you don't want to go to school, then uh, if you're going to be on the street, I want you to be on the street in the right way. And that's how it started for me. Well, we are about to have a treat because we're going to hear from Michael and Cammie, his wife, in a minute. Uh, I want to tell you something that's kind of unique for Crossroads. They're, we feel like they're family anyway, and we love them. But Jasmine, or Jazz, who's on staff with us, actually is Cammie's cousin. And their family is very, very close. And uh, so we started noticing something. If anybody ever disagreed with Jazz, they just disappeared. Uh, I'm kidding. Hey, would you do this? Welcome, Michael and Cammie Franzis, as they come to share with us right now. (laughs) 
Man, I am so excited. You guys, last hour was incredible. I think this is going to be just as good. You're, you, get ready to get real, all right? That's all I'm going to say. We're about to be real, and it's all good. It's all incredible. Um, and speaking of real, uh, one of the questions I had a bunch of people when we knew you were coming back, they wanted me to ask you, is, okay, you obviously lived the real life, and then we have all these movies about it, so how close to reality are the movies? I get asked this all the time. Um, I will say this, for all you people that love The Sopranos, if a mob boss was ever visiting a psychiatrist, he'd be in the trunk of the car by the end of the week, along with the psychiatrist. So put that aside for a minute. But really, the most realistic films uh, out there were Goodfellas and Donnie Brasco. I, uh, I knew all of those guys, and that was a, a pretty accurate portrayal of that part of the life. For me, the greatest... Uh, you know, movie ever in that genre was The Godfather. I mean, it was very, very hard to beat that. Every time it's on, I watch it. Godfather 1 and 2. Godfather 3, they kind of lost it, but, um, yeah. but uh, great movies. You know, I, I got to tell you a funny thing. Um, when I got out of jail, Goodfellas had just come out. So I told Cammy, you know, I said, Cam, I want to go see that movie. A little nostalgia, you know, bring me back a little bit. Uh, let's go. And, you know, up until that point, I never really discussed my life with her. So we get into the movie, and um, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's pretty graphic. And I knew I made a mistake right away. Something wasn't right, right? And she turns to me, she turns to me and she said, is this what your life was really all about? I said, Cam, it's a movie. It's Hollywood. They make things up. Watch the movie, right? And I'm starting to sweat. No sooner I say that, I'm not kidding. A minute later, they have this scene around the bar. And they're introducing guys that were in that life and friends with Henry Hill. And some guy turns around, kind of looks like me, and goes, and there's Mikey Francis. She looks at me and says, let's go, honey. Come on. <laughs> we got up and left. That was it. But, uh, that was yeah, it was pretty realistic. I, I know, babe. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, you know, the crazy thing about that, I have to say, even though everybody said, you know, and that that was you and they were talking about you, but really, just like the movie was on a couple weeks ago, and I, and I was watching it, and I, I went to, so I wanted to make sure 100% they were talking about you, and I Googled, who is Mikey Franchese in um, Goodfellas. Goodfellas, and your picture came up. Yeah. Still testing me after all of these years. But, uh. That's wild. Well, you know, um, last time you were here, you talked about how, and I think you'll probably even share a little bit about it again, how you fell in love with her, saw her right away, thought you wanted to meet her. And then, Cammie, uh, a lot of the people asked me to ask you, what was it like for you when you first saw Michael? Why were you attracted to him, and, and what happened? There <laughs> we go. Well, initially, I mean, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't love at first sight for me. I mean, I was not attracted to him when I first saw him, and I... I, I <laughs> yeah. It's I mean, nice to be aired out in front of, you know, a couple of yeah. thousand people and online. I mean, I thought he was handsome, and I thought, you know, he, uh, he dressed a little dorky. Um, <laughs> you know, he, uh, one day he had this, these white pants with this white shirt and these, like, blue stripes, and I just thought, what is he... I still think that sometimes about what he's wearing, but I was like, what is he wearing? But, you know, all of my dancer friends were all talking. Everybody was talking about Michael, the producer. Um, and when I first saw him, yeah, I mean, I thought he was handsome. He seemed very nice, very cordial with the ladies um, and everybody else. But not until a couple weeks into filming, I was getting a little homesick, and there was a lot of crazy stuff going on in the set. And we had a meeting, and I was feeling a little down and thinking about maybe 
going home after the next scene, and uh, Mike came out, and we had a little conversation. Um, and he was sweet, and we talked about home and my family and a little bit about his. And I think at that point, I, I, he just was really charismatic. He had good charisma, and I, I think that's when I started to thought, okay, well, maybe. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the other thing, obviously, um, is we want to talk about is, is just marriage, period. You guys have made a commitment to stay together. You have stayed together. Uh, your marriage is, um, you know, like anybody else's. You know, it, we have up time, good times. We have the stress, but you guys have clung together in the Lord. But I think one of the things we all wrestled through is, Cammy, uh, you made a commitment to God and to Michael, and you have kept it, even though you didn't know everything about his life. Mm. And um, you were sharing with us today that even now, you, you just recently, you began to discover things, partly because of this book. Yeah, I mean, you know. I, a lot of one of the biggest misconceptions out there is a lot of people think that I knew everything about um, Michael's life before we were married, and I didn't. I mean, I knew he had a colorful background. You know, I knew that he had been arrested, but I I came from a little bit of a rough upbringing with my father and all my and all my uncles, and my father had been arrested before, and he was involved uh, in the Chicano movement, and he was an activist, and you know. Um, it was a little crazy. So the fact that Mike had been arrested didn't scare me because he said it was for tax evasion. And um, I believed him, and I was young and didn't really know what tax evasion was. Um, so I, I took him at his word. She and it knows was, now. It, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it was a white-collar crime and, and racketeering, and he explained those things to me. And, okay, you know, I, I was fine with it. But, um, you know, and then as the years went on in our marriage, I found out, you know, things here and there, but never, never really knowing the depth of really what La Cosa Nostra meant and what it was and how real uh, Goodfellas really was to his life and how these movies and, and going back and thinking about watching that film and how it disturbed me so much then and I, I knew so much less. But I read this little book, GBF, last summer uh, I was with Mike, and we were at a church. I think it was like somewhere in uh, Elisa Viejo. And I was by myself, and I didn't bring my book. And I've never read any of Michael's books. Like, I've never read Blood Covenant. And my part is in there, and I don't even remember my part. But I've never read that. I did read um, I'll Make You an Offer You Can't Refuse, because that was a business book, and it had nothing to do with our life or our problems. And I absolutely loved it. I, I thought it was amazing, and it made me laugh. But then I read this little book. And uh, I was overwhelmed, to say the least. Um, I, I read it in the two hours I sat out there waiting for him. It made me cry. It made me angry. I felt a little betrayed. I felt like Mike had been somewhat dishonest. I feel like he maybe should have shared a little bit with me, and not everything, because I understand that it was hard for him to share that, and it's just something he's never shared with me till this day. But I felt had I known just a little more, life might have been a little easier. I maybe would have understood him a little more. And at the same point, it made me just see the awesomeness of God and what God had brought him through and how that if Mike didn't have God and wasn't serving God and wasn't being obedient to God's word, there's no way he could have gotten through what he got through in that book. And I was angry with his dad. And I, I mean, there's a scene in there that just floored me because it was, it hit me in the face. Like, wow, like 
who did I marry? Like, who is this man? And then I was upset and I said, I, I didn't even really know, Lord. Like, I didn't know. But then God spoke to me and he said, no, but I knew. Yeah. But I knew. And I put you there. And it's you being, you being obedient to me. Um, this is my plan and my purpose. And I, it was so vivid, you know, it was so vivid him telling me, because here I am being all angry, and oh, he didn't tell me, and he lied to me, and I didn't know, but God knew, and there was a purpose for me um, being in Mike's life and having that divine appointment. I felt like that was my appointment to read that. I mean, we'd been married 20 years already. I feel like it was time. 24. At the time, 20-something <laughs> years, but when I, when I read it, so that's was a real eye-opener for me, and it kind of made me understand him more, and do I appreciate you a little more, honey? Well, <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. She, um, I didn't know she had read the book. It was tough. And I, I really put my heart in this book because, um, you know, I've been around so many people that are struggling, have loved ones in prison, and I really felt this was a ministry tool to let people know that you can have some tremendous struggles in life, but that God will bring you through it. And so my heart was really in that book. And I was on the road, and I get an email, and I got it from her, and it was a long one. And Cammie's normally very few words when she writes me an email. You know, do this, do that, but whatever. <laughs> but uh, but um, I read it, and it just about brought tears to my eyes because the things that she expressed about what she read in the book is I never really realized that you went through these struggles, and we do serve an awesome God. And, you know, understanding wasn't a question, even though I guess it was dishonest, there's no way to sugarcoat that, mm -hmm. but I wasn't trying to be dishonest. I was just brought up in that life. You don't speak to anybody outside of the life uh, about certain things. So I was just conditioned to do that, and I never wanted her to worry about any. My whole thing is, don't worry about yeah. it. I got it handled. No problem. And that's just the way I've been with everything in our life. I got it handled, honey. No problem. Not and good. so. Yeah, and, and sometimes I didn't have it handled, but I always thought I could. But um, uh, so it really, it, it really meant something to me that it finally got through to her, some of the things we went through. But, you know, bringing it back, I, I always say this. I'm not the real story here because I brought all the baggage to the table, everything. She accepted all the baggage, and she had to go through it without really knowing it. When I look back, it probably wasn't the right thing, but maybe I didn't want to scare her off. Maybe I'm trying to protect her. But, you know, um, five years in prison, and they were bad years. They weren't easy, normal prison time, because the, the FBI was mad at me. I wouldn't cooperate. They shipped me all over the country. She'd come to visit me at Terminal Island. I wasn't there. She didn't know where I was. They shipped me to Arizona, to Oklahoma. She had five years of that. The Fed's coming to her, your husband's a dead man, quote, you don't want to cooperate, we've got to put you in the program. I get out on parole. The 13 months we spent on parole was the worst time in our life. Tremendous pressure on the two of us to stay together. Because, you know, honestly, without being too dramatic, but, you know, guys in New York weren't happy with me. I'm basically dodging bullets. We couldn't put a house in our name, no utilities. Very difficult for me to earn a living. The FBI on top of us going to her, saying, your husband's going to get killed, he better cooperate. I walk out of the house, we didn't have uh, cell phones, we had beepers. And I'm not kidding, every half an hour she would beep me. If I didn't run to a payphone and, and get to her, she'd be worried that something was wrong. So, and then, after all of that, I get violated. I walk out of the house one morning after all of this, and they lock me up at the bank, violate me on my parole, and now we're another three years without me. And it was during that time that I thought I was going to lose her because there was so much pressure on her in so many different ways. 
And you know, she'll say her part, but we're up here for a purpose, really, people, and that's to encourage you all in marriage. I want, I want to make this point. There is no perfect marriage. I love my wife so much, but love alone would not have kept us together. No. Because sometimes things are too difficult even for the love to, to last. Mm -hmm. So what do you need? You need to have somebody to turn to. In my life and in her life, Jesus not only became our savior, but he became our hero amen. because he kept us together. Yeah. Amen. And, amen. Uh, and, and don't want to say that loosely because there's times when and, and I'll tell you this, and, and it's worse from her part. I look at her, we can't communicate. I want to jump out the window. I want to bang my head against her. What's with this woman? She don't understand me. And believe me, she probably says that more about me. You know that book, she came from Mars, you came Venus. from Venus? Yeah. That's us. Trust me when I tell you. Yeah. We don't agree on anything practically except for the Lord. Nothing. I'm old school. I'm a Brooklyn guy. She's a young girl here from Anaheim, California. We don't agree on, on so many things. But we love one another, and we always turn towards God and not away from Him. And I want to encourage you all, people, because life is tough enough. There's so many detriments. There's so many blockades. There's so many things trying to tear a marriage apart in just normal life. And you need to be encouraged because it is going to be a struggle. No matter how much you love the Lord, no matter how great life, no matter how much money you have or how little you have, things are always going to be a struggle. What do you do about it? Do you turn towards the Lord or do you turn away? And I'll say this, then I'll shut up because I always tend to take the stage over. You do. But, but here's the thing. <laughs> well, I want it because I, I'm all about encouraging people. When I was in prison, she will tell you, all of these L.A. people break up with your husband. You got no life. Why should you stay with him? Her saintly, godly mother that I love Emma. told her, you made a commitment to this man. You take the good, you take the bad. He, he's, he loves you. He's doing what he has to do. I believe her mom prayed us together. Strong woman of prayer, prayer warrior. For some reason, she re really took a liking to me. I told her one day, I said, Irma, I love your daughter. I'll never hurt her. We're going to go through some stuff. And she said, I'm going to pray you through it. And she did and held her up. People believe in the power of prayer. Believe it because God holds us together. Yeah. And the last bit, and I'm going to let her talk because Pastor is going to ask her a question. I want to, I want to tell you this. You must surround yourself with godly people. You are who you hang with, people. If you have people that encourage you, yes, I tell our young people, Latin gangs, you want to be a gang, but you are who you hang with. You'll never get out of that unless you get away from it. And you need to be in church. You people here in this church, I got to tell you, and I'm not saying this because I'm here with pastor. I don't do that. You are so blessed. Yes. This is yeah. a godly place. I will tell you this. I've witnessed, I don't know how many baptisms. This one just got That's to me beautiful. because the joy on the faces of these families, did you see that? Yeah. It yeah. really got to me. I even said, to, I, I want to baptize my daughter here. I didn't say it. Tell oh, me that, yeah. Because I feel like this is family. And yeah. I've, yes. Wow. There, there's power in here, and you need to be around godly people and people that love the Lord. That's what keeps you together. People that worship together, that love you together, that will encourage you together. People that love God and in turn love you. Even if they don't know you, they love the Lord and they will love you. That's real. And I found that to be real in my life. And I believe that's why we're together. Yeah. Your turn. <laughs> Thanks, baby. Well, you know what? I want to go to something that you mentioned last time. And I don't know how I missed this before, but when you were in prison, you said that your pastor was there for you, giving you great advice, and then even reaching out to Michael. And yeah. Yeah, Dr. Myron Taylor at Westwood Hills Christian Church. Um, I love that church. Mm. It was just such an awesome place. And the great thing about it was 
I was, Mike and I were probably the younger people in the congregation by about 40 years. They, these people were, um, the average age of the congregation was like 74 years old. Wow. But they were so wise and so lovely and so prayerful, and they just, they just held us up. Uh, Dr. Taylor went to visit Michael. He sent him money. These women came to my home. Yeah. I mean, I spent every Sunday there, but they, they cared. They were a, a body of love and a body of God's people who just held me up in that gap. And them along uh, with my mother. You know, my mother told Mike and I early on in our marriage, she said, just remember this. There's so many amazing things she told us, but she said, just always make sure that you love God more than you love one another because she felt that I was on this pedestal and he was on this pedestal and that she, she said, I know you guys love each other, but you will fail each other. You will hurt each other and you will let one another down and you will do it quite often. But if you love God first and God is at the center of your marriage and you know that God is first, then you will be able to get through that because you will run to God instead of run, running from him. But if you put one another before you put God, you know, that's not healthy for a marriage. And we didn't learn that initially. It did take us some time to learn that. Yes, because, you know, you will fail me and I will fail you in many ways. But... Um, well, I got, I, I got mad at her, her mother when she first yeah, said, you did. I, wasn't, was, I didn't have a relationship with that. God. And I said, you know, you're talking about your daughter. I love your daughter more than anything. Yeah. And she said, no, you love God first. I didn't understand it back yeah. then. But after years of marriage and realizing what you're going to go through, if I didn't love God more and put him first, yeah. we wouldn't be together now. Mm -mm. And that was the lesson in that. And she was a wise woman and, and, and taught me that. Uh, but initially, I didn't get it. There's yeah. a lot of things you don't get early on. But as you develop this relationship with the Lord and go through these struggles in your marriage, uh, you start to realize it and you start to get it and understand it. That's the great thing about aging and aging with the Lord in your life. Mm -hmm. yeah. You start to get a little wiser, hopefully, if, if, you, if you stay on course. And, uh, I mean, it's still, it's, it's still difficult. You still, I mean, even, even for us, we've been married 25 <laughs> years. And, and the, the consequences to the choices we made early on in our marriage and the consequences to his life and the consequences of us choosing to be married and have a family. I mean, till this day, we, we still deal with him. You know, we still have issues with our children. I mean, um, you know, Mike being away for all those years really, really put a strain on our relationship in, in many ways. And it was really difficult because for, you know, when you're in a relationship, there's things that are just really important to two people. And we really struggled with that. And I just thought, gosh, Lord, can we can we get through this? Will you pick us up and pull us through this? And um, obviously he has because we're still here, but we, we deal with them daily. I mean, yesterday we, we had a, a blowout over my son and I was upset with him. And the last time before we spoke, it's a couple, it's like the enemy knows, he knows our weakness and, and he just comes after us and he just kid attacks has to us. He has to make that call just at the right time. I got to tell you this because <laughs> we spoke together at a church a couple of months back and we were in the hotel the night before and I said, oh, honey, let's sit down, let's read our Bible and let's prepare for tomorrow. With that, I get a phone call from my son. Now, I had to leave my dog. I got a lab. I love the dog. It's my daughter's dog. And he was a puppy. So we had him in his crate. But my son was supposed to come home and take him out of the crate and take care of him, right? Well, he's in the crate. My son never shows up. The poor dog's in there 15 hours. Now, for all you that love dogs, I'm going crazy. 
and, and I'm on the phone with my son, why didn't you come home? And I start to get, I didn't cuss at him, I don't do that, but I start to get really upset. Now she starts to get upset with me, why are you talking to him like that? I said, because the dog's in the crate, he's a dummy, and I'm going into it. <laughs> so we, she gets mad at me, right? And we go at it, the two of us. With that, I said, I'm done here. I go in the closet to get my shirt, and she says, why did you bring that shirt? I told you I don't like that shirt. Why are you? So our preparation for the day before to encourage all people was a big argument the night. We didn't talk until we got to church. No. And, we, and, and last night, my, son, my, my son, again, it was my son. He's always in the middle of all this, and, and I was upset with him, and we didn't talk in the car, and we got here, and then I see him, he takes out another dumb shirt <laughs> <She'll> like, and <laughs> starts eyeing it, and I'm like, I, I can't be upset with him before we go and speak together because I have to make sure he brings the right shirt. When he's on his own, he can wear whatever shirt he wants. <laughs> Yeah. But I, I had a couple of gentlemen come up to me the last service, and they're just like, you know, I really like that shirt. Give the guy a break. And I really <laughs> like that shirt. Oh, my. I got to tell you, though, Pam and I go through that. I can't tell you the number of times we're just about to go, like, on a conference or a camp or something. And it's like, okay, why are we in a fight now? Yeah. But I do think it is the enemy. I oh, think that happens. The enemy now. has taken up residence in our home since Michael has been out and sharing his word yeah, and bringing time, lives to Christ. Time. I mean, and it's palpable at times, you know, and it's, it, it, it gets pretty scary because it's always, you know, it's with him and my son and then it's, then it's him and I because I'm like, oh, but he, you can't treat him that way. He's like, but I'm trying to make a man at him. But in the, in, while you're trying to make a man at him, you're, you're losing All right, let me, so let me much. Speak to the Can I finish, please? <laughs> Thank you. While he's trying to make a man out of him, he is losing so much of a relationship with his son because I said, okay, so until he becomes the man you want, until he takes care of the dog right, until he takes the trash out, until he does this, then you'll spend time with him, you'll take him to lunch, you'll give him a big hug. Hey, son, how are you? How's work going? And said so you, you walk by him as if he's invisible because you're trying to make a man out of him. And that is upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> Says to me, he's a late bloomer. I said, but Cam, yes. he's, he's 22. He's a late bloomer. He's going to be a father and a grandfather. <laughs> you know moms with their sons, but you know, <laughs> I got to tell you. Uh. You know, I try to explain to her, he's got he's to take care of his wife one day. He's got to take care of kids. He's got to go out. Guys, this is a tough life. If our sons aren't prepared for what they have to deal with, it's hard to get through. Thank you. Uh. However, I will say this, you know, this, this mob background yes. sometimes is kind of rigid and, you know, respect in that life. Like yes. I, when he kind of sometimes yes. talks back to me, I until today, and Chuck, there's the truth, I have not ever answered my father back until today. My ever. dad's 94 and we're both capital regimes, we're both captains in the family, yes. same rank until today. I never, I had one little bit of an argument with him, which we disagreed on, which is in my book. But I will never answer my father back. Never a cuss word in front of him. Never. Just the way I was brought up. So these kids today don't think they're answering you back. They have a different kind of... I don't know where they came from, honestly. But, uh, uh, I always tell her, I say, you know what? You're all... You, you're L.A. people. You don't get it. You know, I'm from yeah, back east. All the time. My whole family, they're L.A. people. I'm New York. We, you I, know, I agree with you in, in trying to instill those values in him and make a man at him. I'm all for that. It's just... 
the road to getting there, to making him yeah. a man. I don't want you to, to ruin the relationship with him where, you know, 10 years from now, you're still trying to make a man out of him, but yet you've lost that precious time together of having a father and son relationship. Sometimes you have to let it go and just, you know, the little, and, and I is. think, I do think it is, a lot of it is your past life. Like sometimes I said, you, you can't run our family the way you used to run a family. And then <laughs> he wants to do that, but then he wants to come home and he wants us to be the cleavers. He wants to walk in the door and dad's home and everybody run and he wants to sit on the couch and put his feet up. You know, we're a 20th century family. We're a busy yeah. family. No one, you know, so we make sure once a week we sit down and we have dinner together and even like my, my girl, two girls don't live at home. I mean, they, they come home and we make sure we do that because, because it's hard. But I just feel like, I mean, I appreciate the work that dads do with their sons and their daughters, but I just feel like sometimes there's so much, you gotta be a man, you gotta be a man, yes, but you gotta be a tender-hearted man at the same time and you gotta teach them that. Sometimes, I know you mean well, but the approach. Well, you know what it is, my heart honestly breaks, for, I mean, it's such a struggle within me for this kid, because I love him, he's my junior, Michael Jr. I spent so much time with him, he's a baseball player. My heart is just broken inside, and there's times when I can't even talk to him because of that, yeah. because I don't know what to say, and I don't want to get angry with him, and my heart inside, it's, it's been laying on my heart for years, and I believe the enemy has really used yeah. this, sometimes to separate the two of us. Yes. So, you know, if you're going through this in your marriage, it's, it's probably something a lot of people go through, but there again, we, we do reach our point where we pray about it, all right, God, intervene here and help us yeah. out and then we get through it. Emergency. That's how it's been, emergency. You know, it's funny, I got, I got my daughters and my sons, my two sons, I got three children from my first marriage before I met Camille, two daughters and a son, and I got three daughters and my boy with her. My daughters have been great. All college graduates seem to have their life in order, pretty good, she's got a tremendous relationship with, great, right? I sit with my two sons one time and they're telling me this thing, they, they, I'm listening to the banter between them, and they said to me, Dad, what do you think about this thing we're talking about? And I'm looking at him and said, you know what I think? If I could trade you guys in for two more girls, I said, you'd be gone every minute. They looked at me, Dad, do you really mean that? I said, yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> but, uh, I, think, I think, you know, I mean, that's not a coincidence. There's two boys. I think not having you in their life as young men growing up, and I think being Michael Franzese's son can be difficult. Yeah. Because you're well, such a man's man, and you're so like, I mean, you know, come on, you, you, from A to Z, you've got it covered. Like you said, don't worry, I got it covered. <laughs> now I'm like, sit down. Don't worry, I got it covered. I'm worried, sit down. I need to know what's yeah, going on. That doesn't work anymore. <laughs> because the burden of him, don't worry, I got it covered, but he really doesn't. And then he's trying to get it covered. And then in the end, it's a fight anyways. It's supposed to... You know what? I don't have it covered, honey. I'm, I'm struggling with this. And it's I'm true, but you know what? I don't know what it is in me. It's very hard for me to admit that. And not, there's not an ego involved, I would tell you, if it is. It's just very hard it's for her upbringing. to look at me and not think that I have everything handled. I don't know what it is. Call it the upbringing. Yeah, call I it think, just the man I think, thing. I think it is. I and think you know, it's I, a I think both. I think some of the guys can relate to that. We like our women to believe we have everything under control. Sometimes we don't. And maybe that's a weakness in our character. Because um, I've prayed about it, but it's still very, very difficult for me. And, and um, I don't think it's a weakness. I think it's just men wanting to be all things to the people yeah. that they love. And you can't. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I got to tell you, I, do you guys like how real this is? Yeah, you know, this is, uh, I feel like we're sitting at the kitchen table. It's therapy, right? Yeah, it is, it is. But you know what is, uh, the one of the things that I know I just love that you brought out is, and, and it is, we need to be real. You know, the bottom line, if you're sitting out there thinking every marriage is great, great marriages have moments like this. Yeah. Matter of fact, I found the worst marriages don't have that. They're not willing to share their hearts. They're not willing to talk to each other. They, they too often pretend things and they want to put on a front. And you guys have found, I know you found this, that even if it's hard, it's worth it. And you've yeah. also found this. Let's just be honest. Be honest with each other. Hey, uh, one of the things, Michael, you talk about, well, first of all, the movie. Tell about the movie and where we're at with it. Yeah, they, um, for the last 20 years, you know, you, you live in this town. One day, everybody wants to make a movie on your life. The next day, nobody knows you. That's the, the town. But people have been trying to do that for a lot, and I've rejected it because they always want to make another Goodfellas, another casino, and I didn't want to do that because my commitment to the Lord is anything that I do now has to further the purpose of the ministry. And so I've been very, very blessed in the past year. Uh, the producers that produced Soul Surfer, the movie, came to me and wanted to option my book to do a movie. And so we made a deal last year. Um, I've read the script. They put a great package together. And the movie goes into production uh, based upon the book in October of this year for release next year, 2012. And I will say this, um, and I, I like to bring this up because it holds me to a commitment that I'm making. And I've made this commitment now for several months to thousands of people. That movie will honor God. And if it doesn't honor God, it will never hit the screen. And I promise you that because it's all... Yeah. You don't want to just make another mob movie. It's all about, it's all about the outreach. I look at this. We're not making a movie because we really don't have... She doesn't want anything public in our life practically. But, but we're not doing this for ego. We're doing it because we want to expand the outreach, expand the platform because we're really all about now, you know, trying to get this message out of encouragement. And, um, uh, and I will say this, for 20 years they've been trying to get her to tell her story, write a book, she never wanted to. She said, honey, my role is to support you and the family, you go out and do this, I think this is what God wants from me. Well, lately, she's, I think God brings us along in this process. His timing, His timing is always perfect. Amen. And she agreed to write the book. Her manuscript is done. It'll be out in February. And I can tell you this. I know the story, but I read the book, and it, it really got to me. There's you know, certain things you don't share all the time in your life. And I said, one thing she did that got me really upset. I got, Pastor, i got to tell you this. I'm away in prison, her 30th birthday, right? She's all depressed, her husband in here. One of our very dear friends who we met on the line at Terminal Island visiting one of her boyfriends in there, very good friend of ours even until today. Come on, let me take you out for your birthday. We're going to go out. They went to a club. I never knew this, right? And uh, I'm reading a book, and in the book it says, oh, yeah, some guy, the writer, Mr. GQ, came up to me. I said, Mr. GQ, in other words, you thought this guy was handsome, right? And uh, he's trying to make a play for her. And in the book, she kind of admits, you know, it was nice to get that kind of feeling that somebody else was interested in me, but Stop. I wasn't interested. Oh, no, 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 no. That's the book. Okay? No, no, no. I, believe me, I read it 10 times. Okay? And, uh, you know, the message was that, you know, even in this world, we're going to be tempted. But she knew that her marriage no. meant something. The message was, oh, okay. you don't go into the lion's den. That's right. I should have not been in that club. My friend said, I'm taking you to dinner. And then she swoops me off to this other place. And I was in the lion's den. And what it says is that I did not 
say Mr. GQ. Those were Amy's words. But I said, you know, I'm turning, I turned 30. It felt like the world was coming to an end. I'm 30, I'll be 31. You're still not going to be home. Like, what's happening? So I'm out. And yes, I'm with my friends. There's music. I'm a dancer. I love to dance. We had a few dances. And as Amy says, Mr. GQ approaches me. And I said, you know, some, it's been, I've, all I've talked about was standing in lines for three hours to get into institutions, talking about you trying to come home. It just was like, wow, it was a bit overwhelming. And he, he was so, I was like, oh my God, do you really think women today, as much as they love their husbands, and you can be married 40 years, if an if attractive man comes up to you, you don't just like, you're not like a stone, and you just say, go away, don't even look at me. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. And it was just innocent. It was nothing. But my point was, I was in the lion's den, and I shouldn't have been there. And I was going to take it out because I thought he was going to divorce me. And every, all my... I was mad at her for a week. My we women friends, my sister is like, no. What are you, crazy? Women, women will relate to that. You're human. Yeah, but after you, I settled down, I said, no, you know what? It's a good message. Down. But I he said, tell me what this guy looks like. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I said, you don't know you saved this guy by walking away. I don't away, even but, remember, because uh, Amy had him with dark, curly hair. I mean, she really went to town, you know. Yeah, that's rioters. what got me, the Mr. GQ, and then they go on and explain. I said, wait a second, this guy's better looking than me. And you... yeah. anyway. No, honey, not even close. But, you know, you revelations kidding? that you read later on. But, you know what, I'm still jealous, I'll be honest with you. You know, I mean, she's, she's my baby, and I, I don't want anybody near her, but, but uh, I'm under control. But... That was a close one. Yes, but I want to say this also, you know, our whole message really is about encouragement and about the fact that God has a plan and a purpose for us. And I always say this, you know, he doesn't just throw us into these situations without preparing us in our life. I learned that as I developed this relationship with the Lord and saw that he did a lot to prepare me for some of the things that I had to go through. The same way he's doing that with you, you may not recognize it yet. But once you have a relationship with him, you look back in your life and you say, Lord, Lord, now I get it. Now I know why all these things occurred, the joy, the grief, the struggles. You're preparing me. God prepared her to meet somebody like me because she had a tough upbringing. Norwalk, Anaheim, crazy father, crazy uncles. Even though she was a good girl and her mom was a Christian, she was around some of that stuff. So she, he in some way prepared her for going through the struggles with me. Me, the same thing. I got prepared for the struggles that I had to go through later on. But the reason, I, I want to um, reiterate this, people. We all have a purpose in life. And my book, many of you, you know, got it last time, uh, Blood Covenant. Um, guys, you want to read a mob story, it's a mob story. I don't sugarcoat anything. And ladies, it is a love story, a story between her and I, how we got together. But if you read the inside cover of the book, when I walked away from that life in 93 to show you God's hand in our lives, that's the point here. Mm. When I walked away in 93, everybody predicted my death. I mean everybody. Um, life magazine, inside cover. If he holds to what he has promised, will mark the first time a high-ranking member of the mafia will publicly walk away from his past. And believe me, people, there's no blueprint for walking away from that life publicly. You don't know how, I didn't know how this was going to work out. I had faith. Um, Ed McDonald head of the organized crime strike force, my prosecutor, went on television and said, quote, I wouldn't want to be in Michael Franzese's shoes. I don't think his life expectancy is very substantial. He was very diplomatic. Bernie Welsh, the FBI agent, followed him to the podium that same day. He wasn't as diplomatic. He said, quote, he will get whacked. I think you know what that means in, in street term. My mother, I pray for my son every night. 
The night that I took the oath, Halloween night 1975, and became a made member, there were six of us that night. Today, I'm the only one alive. Not one of them died of natural causes. And take it one step further to drive this point home that God's got a plan and a purpose. In 1987, Fortune magazine wrote a huge article, cover story, 50 biggest and most powerful mob bosses in the country. And uh, they actually had a chart with 50 of us listed on there. I was number 18 in order, the youngest guy on the chart. Today, 23 years later, out of that list of 50, 43 of them are dead. Three of them that I know of are serving life in prison. And my purpose in life is to honor and give glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and my hero. And her purpose in life, God's purpose in putting her in my life, no doubt about it, people, was to encourage me and bring me to him so I can fulfill this purpose. Because I want to tell you how out of left field God hit me. When I was uh, in New York back then, and we didn't have Mexicans. I never no. met, I didn't even Mexicans. ate a burrito before I met we didn't my have wife, Mexicans. right? Yeah. Okay? First Mexican I met, I married. I love Mexicans now, but we back didn't. then it was different. Yeah. She never met an Italian guy in her life. She saw the Godfather once. That was it. She had no clue as to my background whatsoever or anything. That's why it was easy for me not to get into everything. She had no experience whatsoever. So, but God, I believe if you, if you look in your lives, people, the struggles, the heartache, the good times, the bad times, God has a plan in all of this. And if we keep that in our heart and mind and we look and work towards that, he will reveal himself to you and you will fulfill that plan. Nothing and will get in the way. choose to be obedient. Choose to be obedient. That's, that's the you thing. Choose. You choose. You make, we made that choice. I mean, days it was harder to make that choice harder some, some days more than other days, but it's a choice. It's Amen. a choice you make. It's a choice that we chose to stay together even when it was difficult and we thought we really can't stay together one more day because it was yeah. so yeah. bad in our house. But we made that choice to honor God and we make it every day. We make it today and we'll make it tomorrow. It's a choice that you make to be obedient to God's word and to honor him um, and to serve him, which is more important than any little thing that you and I have got going on between our fights and all that. It's, that's right. it's, it's the goal, the victory. Well, that's, that's what your mom, you know, put God yes, first always. in your marriage Amen. right underneath that. And that's what keeps you together. And that's probably the best advice that we can give you. It's always remember the goal. The goal is to please our Lord, to get to heaven, fulfill his purpose. And it's not always about our disagreements. It's about you know, the final prize, and that has got us through so many things, people, and I encourage you. And for those of you that have already been past that, maybe it wasn't meant that God, you know, he, he's got a different plan mm. for you. So don't yeah, look back and say, definitely. well, we failed, and they didn't. Yeah. No. We're just fulfilling, hopefully, that plan, and he has another plan for you. But, I, I mean, also, too, I, I, I meet a lot of women who will come to me, and they're, they're in horrible relationships, abusive relationships. And yeah. That's a whole... Oh other different situation that, you know, I mean, I would never encourage someone to stay there and continue to be abused mentally and physically uh, the way a lot of women do. So, uh, you know, it's when you've got a, a partner that loves you and, and the two of you and, and, and nobody's perfect and you just try wholeheartedly to make that relationship happen when God is in the center of it. Other kind of relationships, there's, you know, different prayers and different things and different, you know, women need to get, seek help for those, because I don't want to, I ever, ever want to, you know, encourage a woman to stay in a relationship like that. But for a lot of relationships that that end up in, you know, I've got a lot of friends who've been married one time, and I'm just, you know, we just 
I just, he just, I was just bored. I wasn't in love anymore. He didn't do it for me anymore. We're like, hello, yeah. you know? That's what I'm talking about, coming together when you, when you still, when you still care about one another, even it's not like, you know, we've been married 25 years. Was it was like it was in the first, of course For me it was, it still is, yeah. yeah. I, I'll be, confess to you, for yeah. me it is, for her, I don't know, but for me it is. Yeah. But I keep you know, trying. You know what I mean. Well, I, the one thing I want to reiterate is if you're in one of those nightmares, what you just yes. said, get help. Get yes. help. Yes. Don't, ju don't just get out, get help. Get help. Yes. And that's the key. And then... For all the rest uh, of the vast majority, let's just choose to follow God and see what Amen. he does. That's what we want to say. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to have uh, Michael and Cammie back. Uh, Michael has suggested we have an Italian night, but I want to actually have an Italian-Mexican <laughs> yes. night. Yes. And uh, we'll do both. And um, we're going to have them talk more and share more in a, in, a in a setting where you get a chance to interact with them. But I want to thank you guys for being here. Thank you for your transparency, your honesty, and for being a part of our, our church today. And I want to say this, too. I really want to thank you. You've made us feel so comfortable here. And, and Pastor Chuck, I was really excited knowing that I was coming back here. And I really mean that. I've got a lot of friends that are Facebooking me from here. And, and this is a place. wonderful ministry, a great place. And anytime we're invited back, we'll be here. Thank oh, we you. want you back. So, yeah, thank, thank you, you guys. You. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's awesome. I love it, love it, love it. Thank you. Love it. Wow. Oh. The next few minutes we're about to share together is so important, so I'd like to ask you to really kind of tune in to now and, and then what's going to happen as we end today. Uh, there's so much that the, Michael and Cammie shared I, I don't want you to miss. Uh, Michael talking about this, your purpose. There's nobody here that God does not have a purpose for. There's nothing that's ever happened in your life that he doesn't love you enough that he wants to take, whether it's your failure or your hurt, and turn it to good. Now, you might say, how could he do that? Well, he can. He's powerful. He's amazing. And in Romans 8, 28, it says, for God causes all things to work together for good. For good. For those who love him and live their life according to his purpose. Now, it doesn't say he causes all things. It says he takes those moments, those hurts, those past, your past, and he transforms it. And then that phrase that I'm not going to forget, and I hope you caught what she said today, is sitting there and saying, God, I didn't know. I didn't know what I was getting. I didn't know about his life. I didn't know. And then to hear God speak in our heart and say, but I knew. You know, wherever you're at in your life right now, God's not surprised. It, it, it doesn't mean he's happy about what's happened or it doesn't mean that he even caused it, but it does mean this. He wasn't, he knows. And he looks at you and loves you with everything he has. And this isn't about being a religious person. It's about a very real intimate relationship. Today, if you, please listen to this. If you're not in that relationship with him, a real one where he speaks and you're like, wow, it's you, Lord. Where he guides you where he strengthens you, where he gives you courage when there's things to fear and where he takes you through even your worst moments. If you're not with him, he wants you to be. And if you're brand new to all this and you say, how do I do it? Well, here's the answer. You pray. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Pray out to him. If you study the Bible from the beginning of Genesis all the way through Revelation, do you know what you hear? God's calling out, where are you? I want you. 
the very last of the book of Revelation says the Holy Spirit says come, come, come and today I'd love for you to come to the Lord you might say again what do I do well we're going to go to a time of prayer and I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting right in your seat to begin the process and I'll share the next steps but to start with the most important one where you just tell him yes you say I want this and I'm going to invite you right where you're sitting to whisper that prayer for those of you who need to come home to the Lord I'm going to ask you to whisper that prayer to come home to him for those of you who are hurt today, I'm going to ask you to pray. Say, God, I'm going to surrender myself to you completely. Let you take away the hurt and pain. If you're someone who's made a commitment to be married and you're not the one who broke it, then I, I want you to know, call out to God and let him take you from where you are now to move you to a life. He's not done with you yet. And if you're a couple here today, oh, who need God to intercede in your marriage and make it beautiful and wonderful, I want you to know he loves that. And I know it's up to each one of you together, but if today you would commit to do it, I'm going to ask you to whisper a prayer with me and say, you know what, we're going to surrender ourselves completely or recommit completely and have that marriage. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Oh, I thank you for Michael and Cammie's honesty and transparency because I know we all have that in our life and, and it's okay that we disagree on things. It's, it's when we agree on you that makes everything important. And I look how you've taken them and how you're using them and blessing them now. I pray it'd continue. God, for the other marriages in this room that need that same love and care and blessing, God, I pray right now they'd experience it. They would center themselves on that one most important fact that they need to love you above all else. And Lord, I pray today, oh God, I pray your Holy Spirit would start to stir and touch anyone right now who needs to come to you or recommit to you or they need to be healed of hurt and pain. Or God, I, I think there's someone sitting here right now, there's something else going on. There's a calling in their life and they need to surrender to it. They've been fighting against it. And God, I, I think there's there's some people here that you're just, you're speaking in their hearts. They can hear it. And I pray right now, all, whatever it is, that each one of us would say yes to you. I'm going to ask that we keep praying. And right now, if you want to give yourself to the Lord, he wants you. If you want to say yes, he wants you. If you want to come back, he wants you. I'm going to ask this. If you sense God stirring, I think he's stirring in some of you. I'm going to ask you to whisper this prayer with me. Think about it and say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me all my sin, to heal me from all my hurt and all my pain, to free me from fear and worry. And you want me to be alive. You want me to be new. You want me to be yours. So I say yes. Yes, I want this. Yes, I want you. So take me now. Draw me close. Fill me with your love. Because I'm yours in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer today, praise God for you.